Because the truth is, all of us need some of us to make it through this journey at APWY. So throw them AirPods in or your Apple headphones with the mic in your ears, get your notebook out, and get ready for your extra course. Black Girl at APWY is starting now and class is officially in session. Yo, what is up, beautiful people? Long time no talk. I feel like I've been away from you all for literally forever. I'm not going to lie. I feel like it's been it's been months, you know what I'm saying, since we connected. And I know that's a lie because I know that y'all have seen everything that's going on with Black Girl at a PWY on Instagram and what we're about to be doing in person on April 9th. So I know that y'all are here, but I just miss y'all so much, right? Now, today I'm excited. Today I'm excited because I believe we're about to have a necessary conversation as it relates to ourselves and as it relates to something that we typically confine to February and that is love right so if you don't already know if you haven't looked at the podcast title and you were just like oh new episode I'm hopping on it and didn't have a chance to look today we are talking about as long as my people love me now I don't know about y'all but I used to be heavy on the YC, YMCMB, right? Young money, cash money. I don't know if it was business, billionaire. I don't know what it was. I just knew that I was throwing up the signs. Like I was with Drake, Drizzy, Lil Wayne, uh, and everybody else. And Nicki Minaj, all of them. And so they have a song. I'm, it's called Love Me. And it's not all of YMCMB, but it is Lil Wayne and Future, if I'm not mistaken. And I think... um. I think Drake might be in it, but to take out the explicits of it, I do not recommend listening to the song if you don't like, <laughs> you don't like cuss words, but in the song, right, it's like, uh, long as my people love me, yeah, 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 I can give a about my hate as long as my people love me, and then, you know, Future's doing the ad-libs, you know what I'm saying, it's a, it's, it's a good throwback song, you know what I'm saying, I used to listen to the song before going and skating, late night skate on a Saturday and a Friday, all in all, <laughs> when I was thinking about love and I was thinking about community, that's literally the first song to come to mind, y'all, please forgive me because, you know what I'm saying, I'm 90% safe. That's the first song that came to mind. It, it must just be in my heart, right? And I was like, yeah, as long as my people love me. Because Lil Wayne, as he's singing the song, he's talking about, um, like, I don't care what everybody else has to say. I don't care what people think. I don't care what people are talking about. As long as my people, he doesn't just say one person, he says, as long as my people love me, I'm good. I, I I could give two what somebody is saying or how they're talking about me or what they refer to me as. I don't care. And so as black girls at PWIs, as black folks at PWIs, what I love most about how that relates to the experience is how many times um, the attending of a predominantly white institution as a black person and then more specifically as a black woman can make you feel like a sellout. Right. Because there's a stigma around it. And to a degree, respectfully so. There's a stigma in which it's like, oh, you only went to a predominantly white institution because you don't love yourself. I do believe that is the case for some people. Right. But in our past episodes, we talked about the element of grace and making sure that we're extending grace to the folks who don't realize they're black yet because they will realize soon enough. Another stigma about predominantly white institutions is that individuals are there because they didn't want to support HBCUs. You know what I'm saying? And I, I do believe to a degree that that is a misconception um, because a lot of folks do not have grants to HBCUs. A lot of folks may not be in close proximity to HBCUs to tour. Um, HBCUs may not have somebody's major. You know what I'm saying? It may, it may not be the place that they're called to, right? And that's okay. At Black Girl at the PWI, my intention, at least, is never to degrade HBCUs because that is the very crutch of my existence, right? Um, but rather to amplify and to advocate for Black folks being able to uh, thrive instead of just surviving in spaces that are not inherently ours. That it doesn't mean to force ourselves into white spaces, right? But if I'm going to be in this white space, I'm not going to die because I'm in a white space. I'm not about to sit here and suffer for the hell of it. No, instead, I'm going to thrive. And so that's literally what Black Rider PWI is about. 
But this is what I think about when it comes to even today's topic. As long as my people love me, as long as I'm good where I'm at, you know what I'm saying? And my people are good where they're at. Not saying that we're stagnant to change, but as we've talked about in this podcast, I'm so committed to change and so committed to myself and so committed to my blackness and who I am that I'm not willing to diminish myself, nor am I willing to just settle for surviving in a place in which I can thrive. And that thriving, I wholeheartedly believe, comes with love. It comes with self-love, but it also comes with being around others who love themselves and as a result you loving yourself they loving themselves that creates an environment of love in which it sustains you for your four years your two years your you know over a decade in predominantly white spaces having those spaces within these larger predominantly white spaces to be loved to be loved on, to love, to take care of other folks, I think that's something that sometimes we can disregard in our experience. So let's get into it, y'all. Let's get into it. I think that this is a necessary conversation. I'm going to be very honest. Y'all can't see me, but I'm scooting up, you know what I'm saying, to the mic and all that because I, I after, rather, after watching um, just everything happened with Chris Rock and Will Smith, and Jada Smith, you know what I'm saying? It, it It's a lot going on. And if you're on social media, you especially know that it's a lot going on. And so I've been going through comments. I've been going through posts and all of that. Um, and I talked to one of my mentors today and she was like, is it just me or do I feel like this this unnecessary stress, right? Um, This unnecessary stress of, dang, sh- do I pick a side or like, dang, he shouldn't have done that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Why are black women the butt of the joke? And then also, you know what I'm saying? Time and place. And then is time and place appropriate? Like, do we care what white folks say? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like you have all of these different ideas and beliefs and all these comments, but we were like reflecting like, dang, I also do feel this unnecessary burden of stress, right? And I believe throughout all the conversations that I was evaluating and reading and all the comments that um I was reading, kind of watching, filter in as well as story posts, one of the common um, denominators that I kept seeing was, what is love? How are we as Black folks defining love within our community? And then how are we receiving it? I know that love languages is important. If anybody knows me in real life, like in real, real life, love languages is my jam, okay? I rely on love languages. Tell me a lot about a person, how you receive love, but also how you give love. But outside of love languages, how are we as a community? And then we as Black folks at PWIs, and then we as Black girls, Black women at PWIs, how are we defining and then receiving love. So I want to take us through through a couple steps because I think that's important. I, I think it's important to not just bring it up just to talk about it, but to expound on it, right? When it comes to love and the importance of love in our community, it's not just something that we can say. See what I'm saying? It's not just something that we can post on Instagram like, oh, I love Black men. Oh, I love Black women. Oh, I love Black folks. You know what I'm saying? It's cute to say it. It's a different thing to walk it out. Because love for a community of folks who have suffered and in many ways have had to take suffering and then transform it into a form of love just to survive, it's not something that we should take lightly, but it's also not something that we should not define. When I talk about love, typically I'm putting it in the context of love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love does not boast and things of that nature. I know a lot of folks, even if they aren't believers, rely on this as a guide to interacting with others and interacting with their community. But as it relates to the Black community, as it relates to the Black um, PWI community, I think love starts to not look different. But how we've been defining it has been different from what we really need. Do you get what I'm saying? So I think as a Black community, and and I I try not to go this broad, but from what I've seen lately in social media and things of nature, is that we kind of see love only in the operative form of defense. Because I love you, I defend you. And I defend outwardly. And I believe that's appropriate. But also love looks like defense inwardly. It looks like I'm not going to let 
anyone speak over you. I'm not going to let you start second guessing yourself. I'm not going to let you get to a point where you feel so alone that you feel like you you can't even survive anymore, right? And as a result of that, I protect you outwardly because I protect you and cover you inwardly because I'm patient with you behind closed doors because I listen to you and I pass the mic behind closed doors because I I, I focus in on what you're saying and I prioritize your voice behind closed doors. That way when I'm out in public, what's, what's happening on the outward position is what has already taken place inwardly. I think sometimes when it comes to, to, you know what I'm saying, just interactions between black folks, um, I love can be sometimes more conditional than unconditional. And those are one of the biggest caveats of what is love and what isn't, right? Can you love me through a human moment? Can you love me through my flaws? And many times when we say this, one of the side effects to that, and I think is an appropriate question that people ask is, is all that I have to do in love is suffer. So yeah, I can love you through your flaws, but if that's all I ever encounter, then what is love other than suffering, right? Now I'm not going to get biblical on y'all. I'm not I'm not going to get theological or anything like that, but I just wanted to bring that up because I think it's important for our conversation today. More specifically as it relates to black folks at PWIs, I think love is a crucial piece that many of us miss. Now if you've listened to the past episodes I've talked about And our guests have talked about, right, the element of love or rather the element of community. You got to find your people. You got to find your people. You got to find your people. We've said it. You know what I'm saying? I've said it numerous times that I can more than I can count on two fingers. You have to find your people. But what happens when you try to find your people, but love is absent? It's a rhetorical question because all in all, I think that when you try so hard to find your quote-unquote people that you settle, what you end up doing is confining yourself but also compromising. And I don't believe that love, especially in an environment in which you're already compromising, sometimes it feels like your identity. And many times it feels like in predominantly white spaces you're compromising your voice. So when it comes to black communities and uh, finding your people at PWIs and finding other black folks to be in community with at PWIs and in predominantly white spaces, it has to be more than just compromise that keeps you. I think it's very easy to tell people, oh, well, you didn't survive because you didn't find your people. It's easy to say that. It's more complex and brings up a different topic when it says, oh, you didn't thrive in this predominantly white space because you didn't find people that loved you. You didn't find a black community that loved you unconditionally, that that was patient with you, that was kind, that wasn't boastful, that wasn't asking you to compromise who you are to fit their element or fit their idea of blackness. And I don't truly believe that this is a predominantly white thing, right, or, or, or a thing that exists within predominantly white spaces. I truthfully think that it's something that exists within all of us at some point in time in whatever community or family that we're engaging in. But again, this is Black Girl to Peter so we are focusing <laughs> on predominantly white spaces. What I notice is that as it comes to adopting this mentality of as long as my people love me, we have to go back to the basics, right? And we're gonna we're gonna go through this together. So if you, if you take notes, you know what I'm saying? Because I be dropping some jewels. If you take notes, you know what I'm saying? Go ahead and take notes. If you are a regular regular note taker on Sunday, I feel like you know what I'm saying. When we be talking, it be a conversation, but it also you know what I'm saying be like a little sermonette or something like that. But when it comes to black folks at PWIs, black women at PWIs, black girl to black girl. If you're not a black girl, you know what I'm saying? I still love you all the same, but I'm talking to black girls right now. I'm talking to black women. Black woman to black woman. I know. I know that it's hard for you to survive. It's, it's, it's hard, okay? And not thrive, but to simply survive in these predominantly white spaces. We're the butt of the joke half the time. We have to be super conscious of what we wear. In the classroom, we had to be super conscious of what we say. Outside the classroom and in the classroom, we have to be super conscious about how we say what we say. We have to constantly stand on this balanced beam between being offensive and and being brutally honest and having a tough conversation that nobody wants to have. I know many times we are the marginalized folks in a lot of the communities that we inhabit because we are so cornered into 
talking too much and not talking enough, being the educator and then being the aggressor, being the mother and then coddling, right? And so sometimes it feels like I don't have a balance because I don't have a space. There's no place in which I feel safe. And so as a result, right, we talk about things like self-love. February 14th, we talked about that, right? We talked about the importance of loving yourself, the importance of being able to look in the mirror and say that I am loved, that I am here, I am seen, I am full, I am beautiful, I am called, I am chosen, I am overjoyed in my blackness, I know who I am, and I'm proud about that. That's step one. (laughs) It's step one of building community. It's the most pivotal step, I'd say, undoubtedly, because if you don't know who you are, then you're at risk, right? We, we talked about this, especially in predominantly white spaces. You are at a lot of risk. So that's step one of finding community. That's step one of finding people who love you, right? And being in community with people who love you. But step two, I think, is linking up with other folks who love themselves. I can't tell y'all how many times I've you know what I'm saying, watch different people who love themselves or are getting, you know what I'm saying, more familiar in their blackness, embracing themselves, uh, you know, going out more, you know, being more social, coming out of their comfort zone as a result of them just loving themselves. And what they will do is group up with other people who don't know and who don't love themselves. And these people can be black, they can be non-black, but all in all, especially for black folks, Again, it's pivotal to know who you are so that you can fight off everything that you're not and you can walk boldly in who you are. So when black folks are black women, you know what I'm saying, since you know yourself, you know, I'm an unapologetically blackity black, black woman. Yeah, I'm a black girl at a PWI. Yeah, listen to the podcast, you know what I'm saying? And I'm just out here doing my thing, but I want to find community, period. So that community should in many ways, shapes and form shape or rather reflect where you are or where you are going, not who you used to be. That doesn't mean that you can't be in community with folks who, you know what I'm saying, are different. Now, we talk about this all the time. Black folks are not a monolith. It would be, it would be shameful and highly inappropriate to believe that that is true because we're not. But when it comes to building community, you want to make sure you're in community with folks who are not asking you to compromise your blackness for the sake of theirs. We, I don't even, I'm gonna be honest, y'all. I don't think we got, I don't think we got to any like sticky conversations, conversations where it's like, oh, Brie, like you kind of saying what I've been thinking, but I'm glad you said it because I don't want to get canceled. You know what I'm saying? You got the podcast, so it might be more better for you to get canceled than for me to get canceled. I don't think we've had conversations like that, but I think it's an honest one. When we come into predominantly white spaces, we haven't talked about this, but I think it's important to. Depending on what school you go to, I think, and depending on the area and depending on a whole bunch of stuff, a predominantly white institution is a predominantly white institution. A predominantly white space is a predominantly white space, sure. But then within that, you might have some black folks in that predominantly white space who look like you, but don't think like you, who look like you, but don't sound like you. And I'm not talking about a difference in dialect, a difference in ebonics. I'm not talking about, quote unquote, talking white and being an Oreo. I'm not talking about that. I'm not. What I'm talking about is you say black folks are marginalized. They say black folks made themselves marginalized. You say black women are the most disrespected uh, group of folks in America. They say Black women are aggressors. They are aggression. They are loud, outspoken, but they're loud and wrong. You say this is a predominantly white institution in which inherently it is racist and anti-black. They say, well, you can go to a HBCU with that. I'm talking about black folks within the very community at that predominantly white institution who ask you, to join their community or to be a part of community with them, to do life with them um, for your, your years there at the price of you compromising your voice and you compromising your form of blackness. Because what we have to be honest about in this conversation is that some black folks truly do have this mindset in which is like, my blackness looks like X, Y, and Z. So therefore, 
anything outside of this form of blackness is not black to me, right? So you might be coming in like, yo, I love all black people. I'm just trying, you know what I'm saying, turn up. I'm trying to be able to have, you know what I'm saying, the the tough conversations. I'm trying to be able to laugh and kick it, go to the movies, build community. I'm I'm trying to do all of that. And they're like, but that don't fit my level of blackness. Those beliefs don't don't fit. And as a result, because it doesn't fit my area of blackness, it's not black at all. I want to encourage you right now, if you are looking for community in predominantly white spaces, I want to encourage you right now that love does not ask you to compromise yourself. Love celebrates you for who you are and who you are becoming. It doesn't ask you to revert back to the place in which you were, where you were the greatest harm to yourself versus the greatest blessing. I'm just going to keep it real with y'all. And this goes for uh, communities or people that you are finding and wanting to build community with that are black, but it also goes for folks who are not black. So I know a lot of black folks will end up in um, sharing community with a lot of a lot of white folks, a lot of non-black folks. That is still one of the most pivotal areas for black women to be attacked in because you're still seemingly misunderstood. And now there's a race difference or, you know, what I'm saying a, a socioeconomic, whatever that looks like. Right. But even that space, it may not be predominantly black, but it can still be vulnerable. And any space, again, that is asking you to compromise your blackness, that is asking you to compromise your beliefs that we deserve justice and peace and liberation that doesn't have constraints. When it's doing that, when it's telling you, oh, yeah, you were kind of loud. Yeah, you did kind of go off on the teacher when you were just spitting facts, when you were just being the advocate that you've been called to be. Oh, yeah, your hair was kind of big today when you wear your afro out. Do you get what I'm saying? All these passive aggressive microaggressions that ask you to compromise who you are, that ask you to compromise how unapologetically black you are, that's not love. And so it's not, it's going to hurt you more to build community there than it's going to help you. It's going to put you back into another space of survival instead of a space in which you should feel safe and more comfortable to survive in the greater institution that is predominantly white. So write it down if you if you are dope. If you're not, I'm going to just say it again. Love is not going to ask you to compromise who you are and who you are becoming if it is the community you're supposed to be in. That's not what love does. Now, love is going to encourage you to be better. Love is going to push you. Love is going to make you a little uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? So you might be in community. I've been in community. Ooh, and I love it. With black folks who will be like, dang, Brie, you kind of, I, I understand why you did that, but do you think that that was necessary in that moment? And because I felt safe there, because I love myself and they love themselves, I know, okay, you're not trying to hurt me. You're really asking. You're, pu- you're able to pull me to the side like this and basically ask questions about my behavior because I've allowed you because I feel safe here, not because I'm being attacked. So I'm not saying that love won't make you uncomfortable. I'm not saying that love will not push you to be better, but that's what comes with. It loves you for who you are and celebrates you for who you are and encourages you and loves you and celebrates you for who you are becoming. This is a a constant, a constant and evolving principle that you will probably learn as I am still learning throughout your life. So number one, remember to write it down. Love will not ask you to compromise your identity. We just talked about how important it is to get your identity and to hold on to it, right? But then there's another thing. And I, and I I love this because I, I think we're getting to the depths of a, of a lot of issues that we see within our community, okay? In community, you have to know, remember, and root yourself on who you are. Now, for me, I, I undoubtedly root myself on being a child of God. It encourages me to move and operate a different way. But I also believe that God created me to be a black woman. And so now I'm operating in two pieces that are not mutually exclusive, but rather in tune with one another. Because I know who I am, I know how to maneuver. I know what type of love I need. I know what type of community I need. I know what that community looks like. You have to know who you are. 
And I say this more specifically to the folks who will get in community with other black folks and be like, yeah, they told me I'm not black enough. I'm I'm coming for the beliefs today. I'm coming I'm coming for the beliefs of of such thing as being black enough. I'm talking to the folks who have been told you're not black enough. You don't look black. You don't talk black. You don't dress black. Sing this song, for me. <laughs> you know. And and I'm not, I'm gonna be honest. I I joke about this, right? Um, you know what I'm saying? I, I've gone over a few games, you know what I'm saying? Even kind of part of this series is, you know, black or black, black that we just wrapped up, right? This element of like, okay, I'm black, but are you like black, black though? You know what I'm saying? Culturally black, right? Which might also differ, right? This universal culture of blackness. But I'm more specifically not talking about that level. I'm talking about the, you're not black enough to sit with the black kids. Again, I want to be clear. I'm not talking about universal cultural blackness the cultural blackness black experience and then more specifically the american the 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 black folks born in america black experience and then on the other hand i'm not talking about you know i wasn't black enough for the black folks but i wasn't white enough for the white folks i'm not talking about that so much either i'm talking about being told that you are not black enough because your cultural experience as a black person you know what I'm saying, or you're um, maneuvering through social classes, or just even what folks deem to be black does not fit. To be very honest, the example that I have in my head is like, is like, and I'm not gonna lie, I haven't watched the new, the new, what is it, the new Fresh Prince, the new Prince of Bel- I have not watched it just yet. Like, I, I haven't watched it on my own. I see it through other people watching it, right? But like Carlton. Carlton I imagine if he was in a friend group of a whole bunch of other black folks who were also of a different uh, socioeconomic status, right? Looking and interacting with Will, which is a lot of what the storyline reveals, right? This difference in even socioeconomic status can have you looking at somebody who is the same complexion as you and encounters much of the same struggle as you um, and still judge them, right? Looking at Carlton and Will, have Carlton, you have Will. Will knows himself. Carlton does not. Carlton, in many ways, at least if not in this, you know, version of it, in, you know, the show of it, right, the the sitcom, Carlton in many ways would ask Will to diminish who he was so that Carlton could feel more comfortable in his presence. Again, love is not going to ask you to compromise yourself in that capacity. But in the other area of that is that Carlton, in many ways, shape shapes and forms could and I believe has you know asked Will or told Will that he was not black enough because he was not rich black or because you know if I'm raised this one way black folks do x y and z and that's all that blackness is to me. It's not a state of being. It's not a collective struggle. It's not love for community. It's not unconditional love. It's these three things, this, this, and this. And when Will fell out of that, it was hard for them to exist in community together because how can I love you unconditionally if I don't even love myself enough to include you in blackness? So all in all, I say that, to say (laughs) so sorry y'all if i'm rambling right but i i say that to say there is no such thing as being black enough you are simply more than enough at first i was thinking you know you're, you're simply enough no you're more than enough and what i've seen many people do when they encounter this and you know y'all we can have this conversation in the black or peter or dms we can have this conversation in a post right but what i see many folks do as a sign of rejection and in feeling like oh well dang you said i'm not black enough i'm just gonna lead the black community i'm a piece up i don't care nothing about the struggle i don't care nothing about that you're still black And there's still community out here for you. And it's still black folks out here who love you and who know themselves and you know you. And y'all can be be and exist in a community of love as we have been called to be. Being told that you're not black enough does not mean run from black folks. It means run to the folk who love themselves enough to not ask you to compromise yourself right? So you are not black enough. There's no, there's no such thing. 
And I think that's what's so beautiful. And that that's what should make us want to love each other so much. It's like, dog, you bring something to the table that I ain't never seen before. You bring an experience of blackness that I've never encountered before. Dang, like I got a friend. She ain't watched Friday. She ain't watched Straight Outta Compton. She don't know who she, you know what I'm saying? When we first met, she know who Tupac and Biggie was. Like it and for me, I was like, girl, what? But it was dope hearing how she grew up a little bit differently. And hearing how, you know what I'm saying, she was raised and what she grew up on. But it was also dope to be able to say, girl, this is your culture. You may know, okay, sure, we we may not be a fan of the gun violence and the shooting, you know what I'm saying? Biggie and Pac both did die, you know what I'm saying, by way of gun violence. So, so yeah, maybe not embrace that, but dang, the music that they put out, dog, and how they had, dog, all the classic albums, the songs that we still sing in parties today, to be able to share that with her. Instead of telling her, oh, you're not black enough to exchange that level and to be like, yo, this is you. This is you. Okay. And if maybe you don't prefer this, but it, it adds to the experience, that exchange was the most beautiful thing that I've ever experienced. Because it also introduced me to the fact that black, there is black, <laughs> there are black folks who exist outside of what I quote unquote deemed at the time to be black and to look black and to sound black it's one of my favorite things and in doing that and having that exchange because I knew myself and I loved myself and I knew her and I loved her for where she was and figuring out and embracing the fact that she was a black woman because of that she felt comfortable asking questions she felt comfortable asking about tv shows that she didn't grow up grow up on but I did she felt comfortable asking how I maneuvered through predominantly white spaces being unapologetically black so that she could one day learn to do the same. And I felt comfortable asking her, yo, how do you manage money well? Because I ain't grow up on that, but your black family did. What is wealth? What does all these, you know what I'm saying? That exchange is of loving each other and loving ourselves unconditionally is what allowed for us to create an environment and then a community of love. And then that community, much of which took place at UMW, is what helped to blossom and to sustain Black UMW here, which is a community of Black folks, where if you just see them, you know, who love one another unconditionally because we love ourselves first to recognize that we're Black and that there is no limitation to how Black we are because we are all more than enough, individually and collectively. So number one, you have love won't wipe away your identity. It celebrates it, right? Love will not ask you to compromise. And then, you know what I'm saying? That piece, we have love won't wipe away your identity. It celebrates it. Love embraces the tough conversations. Love and Black communities at predominantly white spaces should embrace the tough conversations about how we grew up. It should embrace the tough conversations about how we operate in predominantly white spaces. And you know what I'm saying? How sometimes we can be tap dancing a little bit more than we're committed. Love embraces at PWIs the tough conversations about why folks didn't go to HBCUs. To be very honest, to be very honest, and this is this can be an action step. Love um, that exists in black communities at PWIs should challenge others within that community on their stigma around HBCUs so that we embrace all of blackness and don't just try to eliminate it to the black experience at PWIs. All in all, black communities at PWIs that are rooted on and in and sustained by love should be embracing black folks at HBCUs who are getting an experience that they need to fill their tank. We shouldn't be participating in the stigma that oh my type of black goes here and your type of black goes there no no no. both of our blackness can exist in two different spaces because we're that dope as a people do you get what i'm saying but community is so much more it has to be so much more if you are to find your people and if you are to adopt the mentality that as long as my people love me it has to be more than just i'm black and you're black it does I love myself in my all my blackness and you love yourself in all your blackness. And if you're not there yet, I love you enough because I put my love first. I love you enough to take you through that process. I love you enough to answer tough questions. I love you enough to be like, yeah, you get on my nerves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 
you know what I'm saying? They kind of leaning this way politically. Yeah, they kind of doing this. You know what I'm saying? They're not my inner circle, but they my people. I know they love me enough to protect me inwardly and outwardly and vice versa for them. If they hit me up about anything, even if it might be a situation that they cause, at least for me personally as Breezy, I'm going to jump on it. I'm going to ask them, yo, why was you doing X, Y, and Z? But again, that's because we have established an environment and a community based on love because I love myself and you love you and all your blackness. I want to remind you, and this is this is point three. I really feel like I'm giving a whole sermonette, right? I'm sorry, y'all, if this is too much. But at the same time, I'm not sorry. Because y'all, y'all know how we get down as black girls at PWIs, you know what I'm saying? We take up space, and respectfully so. The third point I want y'all to write down is the fact that you have nothing to prove. You have absolutely, positively, absolutely, positively nothing to prove to anybody. Kayla talked about this so beautifully last episode. And dog, I do not remember exactly what she said. You know what I'm saying? Because Kayla was on here snapping. If you got some time, go ahead and give give a few audible snaps to Kayla. You know what I'm saying? In your car, in your house, whatever. Because she killed that, right? Kayla says something. And y'all, I don't remember. If y'all remember it, then y'all remember it. And maybe y'all can, can remind me through DMs or something like that. But she says something about, like, I don't have to perform or I don't have to show up in the way that you're expecting me to show up in order for me to feel valued. I have nothing to prove to you. I don't have to go get on a stage every single day of my life talking about Black Lives Matter and all the work that I'm doing in the community in order for me to feel valuable. I felt valuable before I hit the stage. I felt valuable when I was in the meeting, in the meeting room. I felt valuable before I walked on the campus. I am valuable. I have nothing to prove to you. I don't have to prove that I'm quote-unquote black enough for your idea of blackness. I don't have to sit here and force myself into communities of folks who are are basically gatekeeping, you know what I'm saying, the ability to be in community with other black folks. I, I, I don't have to do nothing. I ain't got nothing to prove to you. Because all in all, love doesn't make you compete for a seat at its table. If anything... Love is inviting you to the table, whether it's a a, a a high chair child, whether it's a little pillow right by the table. Matter of fact, love is bringing the table to you. Love is saying to another black girl out of PWI, oh, yeah, you alone? Bet. When you want to link up, I'm going to bring me and all my friends. Love, love ain't just going to make you compete to get at the table. I'm sorry. That's not love. I got to compete to get it. If it's unconditional, it should cover me whether my proximity is far or close, right? Love brings the table to others. Love might mess around and be like, yo, we don't need a wooden table. We just need one of the tables we can pop up, you know what I'm saying, and, and tuck in. That way it's easier to carry to the people who need it the most. That's what love does. Love and communities and black communities at predominantly white institutions should be rooted on and relationships with other black folks at predominantly white institutions should be rooted on how can I bring the table of love to you today? If I'm already struggling to survive in a predominantly white institution, in a predominantly white space, what makes you think that me having to compete with other black folks just to be heard, just to be in community is going to make me thrive. It's not. Love brings the table to you. You won't have to compete for love. You shouldn't have to compete for love. And if a community is asking you, if a people is asking you to do that, to compete just to feel seen, to compete just to feel heard, to compete just to feel acknowledged, to compete just to say that you sit at the table, then it's not a table that you should want to be at because it's definitely not a table that I want to be at. If I'm enough, if I don't have to prove my blackness, if I'm more than enough, if I know who I am, I'm not competing for the very thing that I embrace daily. 
the love, the table of love, love brings the table to you. It shares space. Because that's all a table is. Y'all can't see me, but I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a visionary person, right? So I see it in my head and I see it, but I also move my hands a lot. And I imagine the table and love is sitting all around the table. The table is sustained by love. At that table, when everybody is at that table, whoever needs to be there, y'all can play card games. Y'all can have tough conversations. Y'all can break bread. Y'all can console one another. And so do you know what all of those things are? We can play games, which means we can socialize in community. Love allows us to socialize. If we can break bread, love also allows us to share in our cultural experiences. Because food, can, food is cultural. You might bring crawfish. I might bring crabs. You might bring spinach and artichoke dip. You might bring, you know what I'm saying... You know what I'm saying? Whatever different type of thing. You might bring ribs. I might, I might bring this. You know what I'm saying? You might bring plantains. I might. We it's a cultural experiences experience. Love within the black community out of PWI. So we socialize, we share experiences, we do all that. We're able to have the tough conversations. I'm talking the elbows on the table, the face in the in the head, the 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 head in the palm conversations, the conversations where it's like I know you did not just say that, but the conversations that stay in the room, the conversations that push you outside of your comfortability, the conversations that pull you in and console you, that happens at the table. That's why you you shouldn't have to compete for that because those are basic human needs that are being met by the very folks who look and struggle like you. And then lastly, and I think I kind of said it right, the, the table is a place of gathering. It's a place of consoling. Where I can look across the table at you and see that you're on the brink of tears because classes have been hard for you and you the first person out of your family who's going to college and who's doing it, but you feel like you're cracking under pressure because you're in a predominantly white space and don't feel taken seriously. I can look across the table and see you going through that and come over and hug you. I can look across the table and see a black woman who has been leading her tail off, but does not feel like her cup is full at all because she's constantly pouring to every position and every club and every organization she's a part of. I wouldn't see that unless you were at the table. Why am I giving you all these examples? Because the table is representative of what the black community at predominantly white institutions has to look at. What black folks at predominantly white institutions have have to be like if we're going to thrive in these spaces and not just survive. And if you can't find these places, if love is not bringing the table to you, create it. I know I'm probably giving you more, but I'm telling you, there's nothing greater than planting a seed of love into another black person at a predominantly white institution, whether they realize they're black or not, and watching it blossom over the time, whether it's days, whether it's weeks, whether it's years. There were some black folks in the guys when they were on and we were talking about being a black man at a predominantly white institution. I don't know if you all remember, but Tyshawn spoke to, yeah, I remember, you know what I'm saying? I think it was sophomore year. We were, um, you know, at this at this little movie night, and you had came up to me. I was sitting by myself, and you had came up to me. You were like, "What's your name?" And to be very honest, I, you know, what I'm saying I ain't really wanna, cause I was like, "Who is this asking for my name?" But notice that was sophomore year. That was what mm, fall 2019, spring, top of spring 2020, in which I planted the seed of I see you, and I love you. I see you because I love you with Tyshawn. And I planted that seed by asking him, yo, what's your name? Don't be a stranger on this campus. If you need something, let me know. 2019, 2020. Now 2022, that is my dog. Do you hear me? I could have easily written him off and been like, oh, that type of black, Tyshawn ain't ain't my type of black because he's not outgoing because he's not a part of student organizations. Oh, well, we have different spiritual beliefs. Oh, well, I just feel like he's more standoffish. He's more of an introvert. He's not black enough for me. I could have done that. But instead, I brought the table of love to him. And I said, what, what you need? 
Oh, you don't want to tell me right now. Okay, well, if you need community, I'm here. Just call me whenever. Just hit me up whenever. And over time, when he saw me, he waved. When he saw me, he waved. When he saw me post on Instagram, he liked it. When he saw me post something that he really liked on Instagram, he DM'd me. Then at that point, we can start conversating. Then it's like, yo, we got some stuff in common. Oh, okay, bet. Pull up to the room. Let's share community a little bit more. To the point where it's like, yo, if you need anything, you pull up to the point where it's like, yo, any event I'm doing, I want to see you there. It may not be immediate, but planting a seed of love in a community in which you currently feel like it may not exist because it may not, that's the greatest legacy that you could leave behind at any predominantly white institution that you are in and any predominantly white space that you are in in which black folks will come through. Now, what this looks like in the workplace, I'm not too sure just yet. It might just look like that. It might just look like, hey, you know what I'm saying? I just want you to know that I'm here for you if you need anything. It might just look like that. Random, kind kind gestures. You know what I'm saying? Ask them their interests. It don't mean you got to get all up in their business because I know HR is a thing and all of this other stuff. But just planting a seed of, I'm here for you even if you never, if you say you never need it. That is what love in my personal opinion, looks like at predominantly white institutions within black communities. But all in all, I think that's what I believe. (laughs) If we take what uh, Prophet Lil Wayne said, (laughs) I don't give a blank about these haters as long as my people love me. That's the epitome of the black girl at a PWI experience. I don't care what these white folks talking about. I don't care what this predominantly white institution says about me. I don't care how I'm painted in the media. I could give two about it. Long as my people love me. Long as my people bring the table to me. Long as my people see me. Long as my people hear me. Long as my people correct me. Long as my people see me for who I am and encourage me to be better for my neck. Long as my people don't ask me to compete for love. As long as my people don't ask me to forget who I am as a means to being loved. As long as my people don't forget me when stuff gets a little rough and we have differing beliefs. As long as that don't happen, as long as my people love me. I could give two about what the rest of the world in this predominantly white space that has been created to choke out my blackness thinks of me. That is what it means as long as my people love me, to be very honest. Now, y'all know that my favorite quote is from Asada Shakur in which she says, it is our duty to fight for our freedom. It is our duty to win. We must love each other and support each other. We have nothing to lose but our chains. And you may say, I have no chains. I believe you have some emotionally or mentally or spiritually or maybe even physically, child. I don't know. But there are some chains that we all carry out throughout life. And through love and choosing to love. And and, in the quote, she says, we must love each other. That comes before getting the chains off. In my love, in my fighting for you, I can be a good leader all day, but if I do not love you, then my leading has been in vain because that means I can get you to the Red Sea, right? I can I can get you to leave in Egypt, but to encourage you to, to trust, to see you enough and to see your fears, to, to take you to the next side and to cur- encourage you, that takes love. There's a balance to that. And most importantly, I think it's a balance that is not far from us as black girls at a predominantly white institution and in predominantly white spaces. It exists, and if it doesn't, I feel like many times love is natural for us. It's okay to get your hands dirty a little bit in these spaces because if we're creating a foundation for black folks who won't have to do this in years to come or in months to come, it's worth it at least in my personal opinion. So I'm not telling y'all to listen to Lil Wayne. I'm not telling y'all to listen to the song. Like I said, if you don't like explicit, you probably ain't gonna like the song. But dog, as Breezy, as the Brianna Simone, Black Girl of PDY, I truly feel like I could give two about these haters as long as my people 
my people, Black UMW, my folks, Black girl, the PWI, as long as my people love me. For real. So if you're like, dog, I'm looking for community. I don't know how to find community. I'm trying to get to community. All of these different things. If you're looking for that, if you're searching, if you're trying to figure out how to create the soil in which love can be sustained at your predominantly white institution or in a predominantly white space, I am formally inviting you for the thousandth time to pull up in Fredericksburg, Virginia on April 9th from 6 to 8 p.m. Not running on CPT time. I I, I hope not. Um, to just kick it with us. It's gonna be a live studio recording. I'm I don't I don't think we're gonna posting on the podcast so it means if you're there you're there you're tuned into an exclusive live recording of black girl to pwi with the special guests and some exclusive merch that we're trying to get going but it's gonna be a dope event i'm excited to connect with so many of y'all off of just audio but just to to look y'all in y'all's eyes and to see that you're seen and to give you a hug and all of that if you've been looking for that if you've been desperate for that dog Hey, we're a couple days out from the event, but make plans to come out and DM me. If if you're coming from a place that's farther from an hour, DM me. Because I want to encourage you that this April 9th is the place that you want to be. I swear. If don't nobody else make you feel seen in that room, which I believe is a lie straight from the pits of hell. If don't nobody else make you feel that way, I want to put eyes on you because I want you to be reminded that you are enough, that you are loved, that you are seen, that you are heard, and not just acknowledged, that you are going to thrive in any space that you are put in instead of just surviving. Your life is worth so much more than just surviving. You deserve to thrive. So I'm excited to see y'all April 9th. Make sure you follow Black Girl PWI at Black Girl B-L-A-C-K-G-I-R-L-P-W-I on Instagram. Remember to share that link in our bio for the event. Even if you can't make it, share it with some other folks so that they can pull up and connect with folks and um, Black Girls at PWIs, but also Black folks just in general who want to pull up. It's going to be dope. I'm excited to connect with you all. I hope you enjoyed today. Make sure you tune in next week. Now, class is out, but that don't mean you should be going ghost, okay? If you like today's discussion or want to keep it going, follow us on Instagram at BlackGirlPWI and keep talking at talk. Also, don't forget to check out our portal for scholarships, financial aid tips, mental health, and motivation some days. This is Breezy signing out. Take care of yourself and keep showing up, sis.